Hi, and welcome back to Love in Quarantine, our second episode, Massive Achievement. (laughs) I'm your host, Carly Shortino, and today we're going to be talking to people who, in the era of quarantine, have digitized their sexual and romantic lives. So I read this article about how, you know, during social distancing, that virtual sex parties have become a thing. And I mean, first, I just wanted to figure out what that is and who was behind it. So later, I'm going to talk to a guy who's been organizing these big international virtual sex parties. But first, to give you my own sort of tragic story, I went to a sex party once, like, I guess it was five years ago. I went for research because I take my job extremely seriously. (laughs) I was writing an article for Vogue about the poly community. For some reason, I was really stressed about what to wear. And I just didn't know what the sort of normal protocol was. So I ended up putting on this baby pink power suit from the 80s with white stilettos. I kind of looked like Elle Woods meets Working Girl, which honestly sounds like a good combo. But then I got there and everyone was automatically in slutty lingerie, which in hindsight makes total sense. And I felt completely out of place immediately. It was in the top floor of this hotel in Soho, and it was these three penthouses all conjoined together. So it was enormous. And there was roughly 150 people there, I would say. So I was completely intimidated immediately. And so I did what I usually do. And I chugged like four vodkas, hoping that it would give me some slutty confidence. And then I ended up talking to this couple who were really nice, and they offered me ecstasy. And I took it because uh, I guess that's who I am. And then I can't exactly remember what happened next, but I vaguely remember deciding that it was a good idea to take a nap. I was like, okay, if I power nap, I'll get up and I'll be ready to go. So I laid down and then, I mean, God knows how long later, I wake up to this woman standing over me and she's kind of shaking me and she's wearing a top hat with her tits out and she's like, honey, honey, um, I'm really sorry, but you can't sleep on this bed because like people have to have sex here. And I was like, oh, okay, sorry. And like, I got up and look around and literally like every single surface, every bed, every area of the floor, all the walls were full of people having sex. And like, suddenly I was like, wait, when did everyone get dressed up in costume? Like there were people with devil horns and there were like men with sparkles on their face and tutus. And like, everyone just looked sort of crazed. And I felt like I was in this insane slutty Narnia. And I was like, oh my God, I have to get out of here. So I turn around and just immediately barf on the floor, (laughs) of course. And then, I mean, literally the last thing on earth that you want to be doing at a sex party is crawling to the bathroom, vomiting on your pink power suit. But unfortunately, that was my reality. So I get to the bathroom and I start to realize that the floor tiles are like dripping up the walls. And I was like, oh shit, I'm tripping, hence the devil horns. So yeah, that was my experience. 10 out of 10 would do again. So obviously mine was not a normal sex party experience, thankfully. Actually, there's a really close-knit sex-positive community in New York City for whom sex parties are actually just a staple of their social lives. And someone at the center of this community is Daniel Saint. To give you some context, Daniel is the founder of the New Society for Wellness, or NSFW for short. It's a members-only club in New York that promotes sexual exploration in a variety of ways. They do sex ed classes, but they're primarily known for these big sought-after sex parties that they've been throwing. And since group sex is clearly not thriving in the era of quarantine, Daniel, like I said, has taken these parties virtual. So here goes. So, you know, obviously you started to organize virtual sex parties in place of the 
the, you know, in-person sex parties that you were organizing in New York for years now. And how did you make the decision to start those, the virtual ones? Yeah. So, you know, when all this happened, uh, we kind of pulled all events off our calendar as of like March 5th. Um, and after that happened, I don't know, I had like just a, I think two weeks of just depression, you know, I was hosting, you know, three to four sex parties a week. So there's a certain energy that you get from that, but you know, the membership was there to support and they really kind of came forward and were like, you know, we still want to talk. We still want to communicate. We're still part of this. Like we want to support and figure out how to get through this. Um, so we launched WhatsApp, uh, chats, uh, for the membership and created like 10 of them for all the different types of members and what people were looking for. And through that, I was just really surprised by how quickly people were sending naked photos of each other and of themselves <laughs> and how quickly they were sending like videos. And I was like, Oh, this group is really, really comfortable sharing nudity on online. Like maybe we can figure out a way to do this in video. And, uh, yeah, we announced our first one and we had about like 70 people come to that one. Uh, and we're like, okay, this kind of works. And, you know, through that process of creating that first one, we had members from Tel Aviv, members from Miami, members from, you know, California and from Mexico city and from Australia and other countries. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually great because these are a lot of people who've joined NSFW who've never been able to come to an event. That's, I mean, it makes sense that it's become more international, obviously, because people can join from all of, all over the world, but I mean, like, if you're hosting them at night where you are, are people tuning in at like 8 a.m. in Tel Aviv to have a, an orgy online? Like, that's insane. Yeah, it's weird. That is exactly what was happening. <laughs> it's like... Dedication. So now we're, yeah, I was like, this is awesome. Like, you're in Israel right now. Like, you're in Tel Aviv. Like, really? Like, what time is it there? It's like, <laughs> wow, it's not, 9 a.m. you joined in? That's so cool. <laughs> um, you know, I think that the phrase virtual sex party is probably very abstract to a lot of people. I mean, myself <laughs> yeah. included. Um, although I did tune into your uh, sex party on Sunday or Saturday. Saturday I can't remember. Yeah. Um, so I do want to talk to you about that. But can you explain what the parties are like? Like, how do they work, basically? When the party starts, there's some sort of visuals that are up. We usually like to give a little bit of time for people to do introductions if they want to jump on camera and just say where they are or what their experience is or what they're looking to you know, get out of that party or get out of that experience that night. Um, you know, and some people, you know, will answer, you know, I just want to see sexy people. I just want to, you know, be sexy on camera. I just wanted a reason to dress up tonight, which is a common one. <laughs> a lot of people are just right. like, I just need a reason to put on lingerie and this was it. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, <laughs> cool. After that, we normally have either one of our performers do some sort of instructional. So for our uh, party last week, we had Lola Jean on and she did a guided masturbation where it was like taking people through kind of like a very focused masturbation. So if they're at home, they could just masturbate and, you know, listen in and watch her as she goes through the instructional. After that, you know, we tried to encourage couples to come on to like introduce themselves and we'll start highlighting some of the rooms that we like. So, you know, if a certain couple is like, you know, doing a really great job on camera, we'll like highlight that as the main thing that everyone sees. Um, or we'll cut the screen. So it's like three people at a time or four people at a time kind of going through this experience. Um, there's a chat function within it. So people kind of like chime in as they're, they're watching and like encourage people to do things. Um, for future ones, we're figuring out how to incorporate some games like Never Have I Ever or Truth or Dare, things that we have at NSFW normally that we're hoping we can like encourage people to conversate a bit more. Um, we don't want it to just be like a sexual experience. Like it's not just to be naked on camera and to be voyeuristic like for that you can go to a campsite and have that experience there we do want those community elements to still be a part of you know why people come to this 
Yeah, you know, I was really surprised with what it was like. Um, obviously, I've never been to it. Well, I have never been to a virtual sex party. Um, <laughs> and uh, I expected it. Well, first of all, I put on some very unflattering mask because I thought that I was going to have to be on camera. And I was shy about that. But then basically it it shows how many people are watching, which was like whatever, f- between 50 and 70. Although a lot of those, you know, um, were couples. So, you know, 70 people logged in, I think could probably mean like over a hundred. So there was a lot of people, which I was, you know, I was surprised about that. And then I think Same. the main thing, <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's bored. Um, <laughs> everyone's bored and horny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you want us to do? <laughs> yeah, we have nowhere to go. Um, so I expected it to be more like watching porn. Um, but it didn't feel like that at all. Uh, and it didn't feel like seeing a cam person either, which, uh, you know, can feel maybe more performative. Um, I don't know. It just felt really specific and not like anything I'd seen before. It did feel like a community of people and it felt really playful and funny in a way that I liked. Like one guy at one time was like putting all these different hats on while he was getting a job. <laughs> and like this one time, I was like, why do you have so many hats? Like seven hats. And then like one time this girl stopped having sex to look into the camera. I'd be like, oh my God, all of you guys are so hot. Like, thank you so much for coming um, and being here with us. Like it was really really sweet. And it did feel interactive. And I, I think that uh, I've been talking about recently how I think especially during this time, being able to watch something live and also be able to see how many other people are watching it too, does make you feel less lonely in a way that something pre-recorded can't. And I have also noticed that I think Instagram lives um, are p- more popular now because it does feel mm-hmm. like a collective experience, don't you think? Or do you think? <laughs> I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, what's important about these is like, you know, nothing's recorded, everything gets erased, all the chats get erased afterwards. So it really is an experience you have to be there for. I think, you know, with the Instagram lives, it's been really interesting to see like how those are progressing as like uh, a definitive content. Like I, I constantly see it in my feed. I see it in other people's feeds. I see like these events taking place and it's like 7 PM go on Instagram live. Like did he just did his big dance off thing. And I, I'm seeing a lot more of that. And I think we're going to continue seeing a lot more of that, but those yeah, live experiences that you can only experience if you're there, um, I think will become, um, it will become an interesting part of this new, you know, basically, you know, entertainment or experience, economy you know it's like it's going to be okay this will only happen at this point it's not being recorded you can't see it anywhere else and the experiences that happen with it are always going to be unique like it feels like it's evolving quickly uh and i'm I'm curious to see you know what we can do to make it uh make it more of that experience like what you're talking about of like really kind of a shared experience i feel people feel less alone honestly like i i don't want I don't want members to die of loneliness. <laughs> we have to we have to figure that out for sure. And I bet that these parties attract a, an additional uh, tier of people that would be too scared or nervous to come to a, an actual sex party. But that you know, especially being able to be anonymous online, or or maybe um, who would be too jealous, like to go to a sex party with their partner, the fact that someone is through a screen and that they can't touch them. Um, 
is just dipping a toe in the water who then maybe, you know, eventually will want to come to a sex party or not. And this will just be the way that they add um, experimentation into their relationship. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're we're kind of seeing just from these early ones. I mean, right now we've had uh, just over 250 people through these parties in the past four weeks. Um, I think that just from, from my experience, like I announced it on my Instagram and one of my ex-girlfriends reached out and she was like, uh, I would love to go to that. And I was like, you hate sex parties. <laughs> you hate what I do. You hate like, like you would never show your face at NSFW. And she's like a recognized person. So I understand like her apprehension towards it. But she's like, no, no, I know, I know. But I'll go to this. Like, can I please get a link? And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, this is just like giving people a little taste of it. And then when things open up again, it feels just going to be like a big boom of like, oh, yeah, no, like, I can totally go to sex parties. I've been going to virtual ones for the past year. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, me, me too. I'm not really an exhibitionist. So the idea of, um, going to a sex party in person seems a bit too much for me or not even too much, just not really my thing, but this, I really liked it. It felt sweet and, um, really like erotic and also approachable in a way that like, I think people are like sex parties. That's crazy. Like it didn't feel that crazy, honestly, but I mean, I don't know. I have like a kind of maybe high bar <laughs> given my <laughs> life. I mean, you, you've seen some crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so when you're doing a, a, an in-person sex party, do you have goals or aspirations or expectations? And then th- do those become different when you're doing parties virtually? For these, we're now developing that as well, where it's going to be a run of show for these digital play parties. We're, we're still figuring out how long they should be. We're still figuring out what type of performances people want to see. Um, a lot of that is coming from our membership and then just chiming in and being like, I would love to see this. I would love to see a femdom performance. I would love to see a guy getting pegged. I would love to see, you know, they're actually, you know, asking for these things. They're like, I would love to see a threesome with like two guys and a girl or two girls and a guy. Like they're, they're requesting these things. And now we're like, okay, we got to find members who are quarantine three together. <laughs> like we have to find members who like have all their pegging supplies. We have to find people who can <laughs> kind of do this. So it's becoming kind of, uh, in a sense of like, please tell me your fantasy and we're going to figure out how to like show it to you while you're in quarantine, you know, and, and how you can kind of like interact experience with that. And it's, yeah, it's presenting a very different challenge. Um, but it's one that's fun. It's like, I don't know. I'm bored as fuck. I mean, it's giving me something to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you really give back to the community. You know what I mean? You're yeah, an important like, part of the slutty community. <laughs> yeah, I try my best. <laughs> <laughs> Have there been any moments at these parties that surprised you where you were like, oh, wow, I didn't expect it to happen or that were just like particular, particularly great or notable? Um. Another thing that's surprising is the amount of women just asking for men to like whip their dicks out. Like that was really interesting. Like the women in, in solitaire who are just like, I need to see some dicks. Let's get some dicks on the screen. And they're like chatting, like bring out the dicks. And I'm like, that's hilarious. Desperate. We're desperate. Um, yeah, it's, I was surprised too, where like sometimes the camera, would would like highlight a couple that hadn't been on screen before like they would suddenly fill the screen and they would just be like sitting there smoking a giant bong (laughs) they wouldn't feel like oh we have to start fucking now they would just be like anyways we're just gonna keep smoking our bong and then like slowly like a few minutes later would sort of like begin fooling around which i just felt quite casual i guess you would say 
Yeah, it's like there was it was it was no expectations from anyone to perform or to do anything. You know, uh, it was like we I was doing like another interview and I was like, are all these camp performers? It's like everyone seems really comfortable and knows their angles. And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> I think these are just people. <laughs> like, I don't think any of these people are professionals. <laughs> like they just need an outlet somewhere to like feel like I don't know. It's uh, with the isolation. I think there's a lot of things that we are missing or that we aren't realizing or missing just yet. And I think desirability and feeling like a sexual being and feeling like you're desired by other people is something that we just aren't experiencing right now. Everyone's wearing masks. Everyone's wearing gloves. Everyone's kind of like going this route of not being out very often. You're not seeing people out there anymore. So if you are someone who wants to feel sexually desired, there's not too many places where you can feel that anymore. And while the initial feeling of, okay, I don't see my friends, I'm losing some of that. I don't see my family as much. I'm losing some of that. I don't get to hug people anymore. I don't get to be intimate with people. I don't have like partners coming in. All those things we're realizing we're missing. But I think the isolation is going to start bringing out that feeling of desirability and people starting to feel like, I don't feel desirable anymore. Um, and it's going to happen to attractive people. It's going to happen to anyone really. Like literally everyone's going to start feeling this feeling of like, I don't feel attractive anymore. I don't feel like people want me anymore. I don't feel like there's a desire for my sex or my sexuality or my body or, or any of these other things. And I think this gives people that option of being like, no, you can still feel desirable and still feel wanted. And it's not like you're selling your porn on the internet to feel that way. It's not like you're going on campsites and trying to make money to feel that way. You can feel that way in a very like kind of safer setting in a sense. And, and we're trying to create a safer setting, but I think that part of this isolation hasn't started hitting people yet um, where they're that that's going to definitely trigger a lot of people to be like, I need to feel desired in a safe way. Like, how can I feel that way? You know, that's really spot on. I, I've been feeling that too. It's kind of been creeping in. Like, I think maybe we don't even realize how much the sexual energy of the world and feeling hot or pretty or whatever and walking around and having someone look at you affects your um sex drive uh yeah. even if even if you're in a monogamous relationship right like i think my boyfriend is extremely hot like spoiler alert you know but <laughs> when i'm in my sweatpants all the time when i'm not putting on makeup or doing my hair when i'm not getting that little spark when I walk into a restaurant and I feel really good about myself and I, and someone like looks at you for a little bit too long. You know what I mean? You don't have to find that other person attractive or have a, even a sexual moment with them. It's just yeah, feeling desirable, whether someone's looking at you or not. And I have to feel sexy to want to have sex. And I'm not saying I can't feel sexy in my sweatpants, but it's, you really, it's a shift for sure. Yeah. And the longer this goes on, you're right. Like the, the more that, that that will become a component of our sexuality. Yeah. And I, I, again, it's like, I think it's, it's, it's a shift, right? It's not the immediate thing you realize that you're missing uh, while in isolation. You know, you're, you're more focused on survival. You're more focused on making sure that you feel, you know, safe and shelter and you feel like you have enough food and you feel like you're going to be okay. Like, I think that's the initial immediate stuff. And then you start going into the other, you know, basically the hierarchy of needs, right? You go through Manslow's hierarchy of needs and you see, okay, the next thing is community. I need to feel like I'm accepted within my community. I need to feel that. Then you have love. I need to feel love. I need to feel sexually attractive. I need to feel these things. So we're now just in our first month or first 30 days of this, you know, it, it might extend further. So those first things we noticed right away, you know, we said, okay, wow. It's like, this is hard. These things are hard. It's, I'm starting to miss people. 
And we have Zoom, we have all these other video ways of to do that. And now it's starting to come into those other hierarchy of needs. Like if you're in isolation alone, like, man, I really wish I had a partner. I really wish I, I focused more attention on finding someone. I really wish that I could find someone now or if I have someone be here with me, I would, I would deal with this situation better if I had someone else to bounce things off of. And I think we're starting to see that piece. And then it becomes, I really miss being able to just like dress up and be attractive and be out there and flirt. Like I want, I miss flirting. I miss like that type of communication. Um, and it, it just, it'll compound. Like eventually it'll be all those needs that we have just really feeling them and there's going to need to be some outlet for it. So I'm hoping this can at least help our membership and, and, and people feel want, like wanted, feel, you know, desirable again. Right. And do you think that after this, that you will continue doing these virtual sex parties now that you know what they're like? Well, we're going to go through a hundred days of sex parties at NSFW. That's for sure. <laughs> like, we're just not going to close uh-huh. the clubhouse for a hundred days uh, after all this. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we are going to continue it. Um, you know, we, we, it, it's New York. Yeah, we're in New York City, right? Like, there's definitely some members who have the means to fly in and to come and experience NSFW. And we've definitely had those people over the years. Um, but for the most part, you know, we're in New York City. Uh, and that's where most of our membership comes from. I think after this, we're going to be a lot more creative on how do we create this experience for people who aren't in New York. Um, I think this is going to give us a lot of information as to like what other cities we should consider opening in because, you know, we're finding a high concentration of people in California now. We're finding a big concentration of people in Australia. Um, it's starting to kind of get out there. So after this is all done, we'll have a better idea of who our membership is in these other cities and we'll start kind of licensing and, and allowing people to open up clubhouses there and hopefully expand the physical experience. Um, but the virtual experience, the online one, yeah, it would be nice to have two or three or four clubhouses going and like you can kind of check into people who are at those places. You know, you can see a video feed from those other clubhouses and kind of share in this digital experience. And then if you're not in a city with a clubhouse, you can just watch and just be a part of it from home and, and chime in and, and be a part of the video experience as well. So I think we've stumbled on something that will probably become a part of our brand uh, in the future in a big way. Um, you know, I would say like, as we kind of get better at this, um, we'll probably be making as much as we we're making from the initial clubhouse in New York. Um, and then from there, yeah, it's like, there's no reason to not host multiple ones of these a day and, and give people this opportunity. I mean, I was surprised that there was a hundred people there. You know what I mean? The idea that this can be something that people globally tune into. I mean, this is, that is a cool lasting effect of this period of time. Um, I mean, I guess you're just a real mother Teresa. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I'm just Mother Teresa over uh, here, you know. <laughs> you know, just doing God's work, no big uh, deal. <laughs> uh, I'm just horny and bored. Horny and bored. That's what we're all horny and bored, honestly. <laughs> so virtual sex is not only for sex maniacs. Next, I'm going to speak with a couple, Nicole and Bobby, and they're long distance. So they've only been dating for three months. And because of their specific set of circumstances, which I'll get into later, they can't see each other during this whole period of quarantine, which sucks. I mean, long-distance relationships suck even when we're not in a global pandemic. I know this from personal experience. Um, When I met my boyfriend a few years ago, we did the first handful of months long-distance. And I think part of what makes it so difficult, aside from the obvious fact that missing someone is painful and stressful, is that when you're at the beginning of a relationship— Emotions are running so high 
And often things are so volatile that it can be difficult to navigate those things at a distance over the phone. You know, you meet someone and you want to have sex four times a day. And then like sometimes after sex, you end up crying, but you have no idea why. And then, you know, you're you're learning each other. So you're like fighting a lot and working out each other's conflict styles and how you two together resolve conflict. And then you're having makeup sex. And the idea of doing that at a distance, like on FaceTime is hard, you know? So it is not lost on me how difficult this time must be for them. So the last time Nicole and Bobby saw each other was about six weeks ago. And he's in Kansas City and she's in Chicago. Before quarantine, they were seeing each other every other weekend, but now they have no idea when they're going to see each other again. But first, to give you some context, they were acquaintances in college, and then they recently reunited at a party, after which they spent a very romantic night of recreationally blacking out. It's not like he resurfaced from the dead, um, (laughs) but... I mean, he may as well have. I walked into the party, went out on their deck to say hey to everybody. And Bobby was there and I was like, oh my God, hi. We ended up being darts partners. And then during one of our games, I was like, oh, Bobby got kind of hot. Then- <laughs> the whole night like kind of spiraled into this like crazy experience where Nicole had probably a little too much to drink. And she started like uh, ordering tequila shots from the bar and the bartender cut her off, which she didn't like at all. And so oh they eventually God. like es- escorted her out of there. And so I went home with her. Like I walked her, I walked back to her place with her, but she decided she couldn't find her keys or she had no idea where her keys were. So we ultimately ended up like passing out in the, uh, in the hallway together and Honestly, I don't think that like she thought that she would ever hear from me again the next morning. Um, she fist bumped me on the way out of her apartment once we finally got in. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and I came back up two weeks later uh, for a friend of mine's 30th birthday party. Um, but I really wasn't going up there for his 30th birthday party. I was like secretly like, trying to come up to see Nicole, but I was like playing it cool. You know, like I didn't really want her to like know that like that's why I was going up there. And then after that, we kind of like, cooled off with like the cool guy appeal and just really started dating. So obviously in a new relationship, you'd want to be quarantined together, but I know that's not possible for you guys. And why is that? Quarantine is not a perfect quarantine for me. When I say that um, we, you know, we have car dealership here in Kansas City, um, that's considered an essential business um, by law for automotive repair and automotive supply. Uh, Obviously, you know, we want to make sure that people's cars can be operable and if they need a new car that they can buy them. So we technically still have the public coming into the dealership. Um, and there's not like really any perfect measure against coronavirus. You know, as I see it, you know, you can do everything. You can sanitize everything. You can wear gloves. You can keep distance. Um, but if you're out away from your apartment or your house or wherever, um, you obviously run a risk of contracting the virus. He's not in isolation by any means. And I actually have an autoimmune disease. So I can't really run the risk of just hopping in the car and making a road trip out of it and hang at Bobby's house and quarantine together. Um, I have to be a bit more responsible um, about my personal health, the element of the autoimmune um, and and his exposure to however many people in a day um, is really what is keeping us apart. 
there's not a whole lot that like I can do to like change the fact. And, um, and I think that is so frustrating because in a perfect world, like I wouldn't, this like wouldn't be an issue. The normal reality, like we haven't had a chance at it yet. And I think that we would like crush it. And that's why we continue to like, it's so sought after for us. Not having something to look forward to is a really, really difficult truth to live with. Because it kind of yeah, feels it, sad. It even. Like, I don't, I don't even, Bobby, like, I don't think we've even really talked about this exact thing. But I mean, every day when we're like, oh, I miss you and blah, blah, blah. When you say all those things in, in normal life, it's easy to alleviate that somebody else's sadness by saying, but I'll see you in a week. And there really isn't much that the other person can say to help make things better. You know, it's just like, it's just an extended guaranteed state of missing one another until, until this changes. So how are you guys keeping things romantic and intimate at a distance? Is it just like long phone conversations or what are you guys doing? Um, well, Nicole came up with like a, uh, honestly a, a great idea where we, she's like, well, one night a week, we're going to have a date night and we're going to do it via Zoom. Like, you'll make your dinner, I'll make mine, and we'll sit and we'll just eat dinner together for, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours, as long as we want to. And honestly, I think that was probably the most fun ideas that we or she has come up with. But like a regular so date sweet. night. Like, like I, I, I was like, I'll put my makeup on. God forbid I do that during quarantine. <laughs> I'll blow dry my hair. Um, and let's not have our phones out. Like you know, let's just sit across from each other and talk to each other the way that we would if we were at a restaurant. We're really figuring it out. Like, I mean, we send each other things in the mail. Um, like, I, I I think I mentioned to yeah. you guys before, like, Bobby has gotten really creative with finding the strangest packaged socks that you can find, <laughs> I think, on Amazon, which are great, like a, like a sushi set of socks he was having a really hard time finding any rice or anything. And I was at the grocery store and found a solid stash of rice and like risotto and all that. So I sent him a package of um, just like food for his pantry and like cards and stuff. And she crushes when it comes to that. I mean, Nicole is probably like one of the most thoughtful people. Actually, she's like the most thoughtful person that I've ever met. And, um, you know, like her nickname is Nixie. And she gives me what are called like Nixie notes and she like writes full on novels in these cards, but they're always like super sweet. You guys are so sweet. It's like making me uncomfortable. No, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Bobby. Um, that is so nice. I mean, that's the thing. In this time, everything is so uncertain that I I feel like we all are just craving some sense of stability and routine to sort of stave off what is otherwise just feels like chaos. So this idea that you have, you know, once a week we're going to do this and I'm going to do my hair. So it's not just like the days blend together of like a weird sweatpants, vague fever dream, you know, like right. it, it feels like you're trying to, you know, role play normal life, which, right. you know, it seems like it helps. It's important, not just because of the situation that we're in, but also because 
of where we are in our relationship. Um, you know, it, it might feel to us like we've been dating for years, but the reality is it's been three months. And, um, I think it's important that we go the extra mile to keep things, you know, healthy and, and fun and exciting and not let the black cloud of this like quarantine and long distance totally consume our relationship because it can. And we've most definitely had moments already in this month that it's swallowed us up a little bit. So what about sex? Are you guys doing that? (laughs) (laughs) Take it away, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously we're not, we're not doing that. Um, You know, it's pretty good timing, I guess. Like, well, just being long distance. um, I got her like that weekend before I went up to see her in Chicago for St. Patrick's Day. I got her uh, a vibrator uh, or I sent one to her via Amazon. And uh, I wanted her to have that because we were long distance. And I also wanted to have it for like our own sex life. Um, And so I would say um, that I'm probably um, (laughs) the the bigger freak in regards to that type of stuff uh, between the two of us. And um, so like at first, um, you know, the idea like even like sexting was like kind of like off the table or like. No, uh, that wasn't off the table. It was just weird. I was like, I don't typically have to sext anyone because I've just dated someone and have them right next to me. Right. And, um, and anyways, like, so like we kind of got accustomed to that and, um, you know, um, are just kind of expanding upon that. Um, but you know, I, (laughs) I have an open mind for about anything, uh, where I don't like it too weirded out by that stuff, but. I know like Nicole can weigh in a little bit. And I think that uh, part of that is like a little uncomfortable for her. The, yeah. So I, I'm cool with sexting and I'm cool with phone sex. Skype sex freaks me the fuck out. Like, <laughs> like I am not a porn star. I don't know like what to do with my phone camera or like a computer. So, and that I think like, I, I mean, and I, I told Bobby, I think we, I think I brought that up. Like, either yesterday or two days ago. And I was like, never say never. Um, because who, who knows how desperate this quarantine will get. But, <laughs> yeah, ask me in a month. Right. Let's talk about it tomorrow. Um, so, I mean, Bobby is like a super forward person in regards to sex, which I love. Um, so it, cause it makes me much more forward and open and comfortable. Um, like I'm a very sexual person and I think it's weird that people think it's taboo to discuss because it's something everybody does. But yeah, he definitely just like kind of like ripped the top off of it for me. Ripped the top off? What do you mean in terms of um, instigated conversations around sex that you wouldn't have necessarily had? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think that he, or or just faster than I may have had them. Um, just like questions about like, do you like, f- like not even in person, like, is, is this a preference or is this a preference? Like, are you into this, this or this? 
and like wanting to know like my things and then me wanting to know his things. And then it just like becoming a full conversation. Um, because yeah, I mean, I want to know how to, <laughs> I want to know how to, how to get her off. I mean, you know, I don't like want her to like not enjoy sex. Like I want her to like tell me like what to do or how, whatever she likes in order to like for her to enjoy it the most she can. And like, I just like to have that like discussion. Yeah. Which is the best. And then like, I think that sex has become like a, a, I mean, luckily we have a really good, we have really good sex. So we have to kind of say sometimes like, we're like, I miss you. Like, like not just the sex, I promise. That's a really wonderful quality because first of all, it's just so normalizing. Um, sex can be such a complicated topic. I mean, I think a lot of couples just literally don't talk about it because it's too weighty. Yeah, and, I've been I've been in a long term relationship where we didn't really talk about it very much. Yeah, we're above people who don't talk about it. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> um, my friend who's a sex educator said that. I mean, you know, I've been there too in relationships when I was younger, where it's just it's not something that is discussed because it's super vulnerable. Yeah, my friend who's a sex educator said, sex is obviously an enormous an enormous part of people's relationships and how do you expect it to be good unless you talk about it like imagine not talking about other immensely important part of parts of your relationships like whether you're gonna have kids or how you raise your kids or where you live or you know what I mean like it's just to leave this enormous piece unspoken like oh it'll work itself out it it does I don't think it does I think that these and then it you know, you harbor resentments, I think, or people feel unseen. So especially during a time when you can't be physical with each other, it feels like open communication around sex and needs is even more important. Yeah, agreed. But sex on the phone, you're saying just sort of like old school throwback phone sex that you like. Yeah, that works. Sexting works. We've just pretty much not the, the, the video thing. Do you think that having sex on the phone, whether it be FaceTime sex or, you know, just talking, do you consider that sex or is it something that's different in its own category? I think it's different. I think it's different too. Like it's not quite the same. Like I can imagine it, but like I really can't like fully feel it or like feel her like reaction or um, it's not quite the same like it's as good as it's gonna get for like a little bit but not the same yeah totally not the same i mean when i was in this long distance relationship um i was really surprised though how much it did feel really connective to have sex you know quote like sex talking on the phone it yeah definitely no, i mean felt... it, it feels necessary i'll say right. that no, and, it, and it does feel connective like it it does like it does feel like there is somebody like that you're sharing a mutual like enjoyment with on like the other side of it for sure like i do feel very connected by it like there's no doubt about that and what about fighting because <laughs> <laughs> so much <laughs> yeah what do you want to that's, that, that, that's, <laughs> that's the hardest part. I was wondering when we would get to that because I think that's probably like the most like introspective part of our relationship is like the fighting and how difficult it can be. Um, and then also like I think I'm 
really actually have been very impressed with like how we've like gotten through it because there's been like some arguments where it's just been like, holy shit, like I cannot do this like right now. Like I, I, I can't handle it. And like it, somehow like find our way through it and like make it feel good again. Yeah. I mean, uh, at the beginning of my bo- my relationship with my boyfriend, we fought all the time. And I don't think that that's bad. Like I, my therapist told me that some couples are just more volatile than others. And it's not about how often you fight, but about how you fight. Right. So if if you're like, you're a fucking fat asshole, like that's not (laughs) constructive. But if you're fighting about, you know, if you're fighting about like, well, my feelings are this, and then you're just intense. Um, but that at the end of it, you feel like you're getting closer, that 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 is actually constructive. And but the such a huge part of it is being able to afterward, like hug it out or have sex or be physical. And then without that. You know, how do you recover? When we go through these types of hurdles where we fight and we don't know the next time we're going to see each other and. Um, you know, like argue in a long distance relationship alone, but then, you know, add the quarantine part to it, you know, you start peeling back layers of another person and figuring out what they're really all about. And, um, it either further validates your reasons for wanting to be with them or further validates reasons why your relationship isn't going to work. And just based on that school of thought alone, um, you know, anyone could argue that your connection grows at like a uber speed because you're forced to learn so much about someone so quickly. And like Bobby said, you know, in ways that you might actually not in person. So I think that that certainly contributes to why I'd say it it almost feels silly to say we've been dating for three months. Cause like, to me, it's like a reminder, like, oh shit, we've really only been dating for three months, but I feel like I know more about you than I did about my boyfriend that I broke up with at four years. Um, so it's, yeah, there's a lot of connection going on really quickly. Um, some good, some bad. And working through the bad stuff is really no different than I think it would be in person. It's just brought to light uh, a bit sooner. So just lastly, what are you guys most looking forward to when you finally do get to see each other again? God, so many things. I just am, I mean, really, I just want to like touch him and physically Make sure be with real. him. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It almost like makes you want to cry even thinking about it. Like... I really just want to be able to like touch him when I want to touch him and like hug him and kiss him and like just be normal people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that truly made me tear up. Like I know that feeling when you miss someone, it's, you know, you you think it would be like, oh, I can't wait to like have sex again. Or I can't wait to, you know, go, go on like all these adventures or go hiking or to the beach. And it's more like, I just want to lay in proximity to your body. <laughs> right. Like, right. I just want to, like, 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 if you farted in front of me right now, it would be great. Like, can <laughs> we just, like, can we just be normal she, she people? Says, she says that now, but I can assure you that will not be the case if, uh, in all reality. Yeah, no, I mean, sometimes it's like, yeah, but <laughs> can you not fart? Yeah, I mean, I just, um, I, I just, like, want to be, like, physically, like, near her. Like, that's it. Like, at its very core. 
Loving Quarantine is created and produced by me, Carly Shortino, and Rachel Rapkin, produced in partnership with Blue Duck Media. See you next time.